Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing everybody, as usual, a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you choose to tune into today's podcast from. We know that nobody actually listens to this at the same time every week. They'll just find a, a random half an hour that they've got spare and think, aha, I shall put my headphones in and listen to you. And that could be at midnight or it could be at 6 a.m. So welcome along to everybody tuning in today's podcast and welcome back to today's guest. My uh, guest today last joined the podcast in September 2018, although it does feel like just a few days ago that we last spoke. Um, here to talk to us about Event Wellbeing Day and Event Well as an organization is Helen Moon, Managing Director of Event Well. Helen, welcome back to the podcast. Hi there, it's great to be back. Um, as I said, we last spoke to you on the podcast by my records in, in September 2018, um, and that coincided with Event Wellbeing Week. Um, and that week, we did a series of podcasts dedicated to Event Wellbeing Week, where each day we spoke to um, a different person connected with Event Well as an organisation um, to talk about this subject of well-being. Um, that's physical well-being, that's mental well-being, it's well-being as a, as a whole um, entity. Um, and it's a subject that has continued to gather momentum, not just in the events industry, but in wider society. Um, okay. and continues to be the subject of much discussion for the better, I think. Um, tell us a little bit more about how the organisation has progressed since we last spoke, and particularly what's happening this year in terms of the calendar and some key dates? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Eventwell has um, grown as a startup organisation, because obviously it founded in 2017. Mm. So it's now actually in a position to actually start offering um, training and events and a, a good, really meaty, useful resource for people to go to to find information that they need in terms of managing their wellbeing or their mental health. Mm. But importantly is how we've changed the calendar for this year in terms of our campaign. Mm -hmm. So the, the main campaign that Event Well started with is Event Wellbeing Week. Now that will still take place in September, um, but will fall under the Event Well 20 umbrella as we're calling it. So Event Well 20 will now see two campaigns this year. Event Wellbeing Day, which is happening on the 26th of February, so in about 28 days time. Mm -hmm. um, and also Event Wellbeing Week, which will stay in September, happening from the 21st to the 27th of September. So we're actually lengthening that day to incorporate the weekend as well, because obviously we have a lot of event professionals don't just work Monday to Friday, they work Ooh. all through the week. So we're lengthening that week. One of the things that we identified in the 2019 Event Wellbeing Week campaign was that it, it wasn't enough to just have that one annual campaign. Indeed. It's something intermittent around about six months to kind of remind people, pick up the conversation for the last time, but also leading into the main event wellbeing week, which would be happening in September, mm. which is what we've planned for this year with Event World 20. So for the first time, we're going to see an event wellbeing day and an event wellbeing week. But this also coincides with a lot of the main mental health campaigns and charities out there who also have uh, World Mental Health Day as well as World Mental Health Week. Um, it just kind of strengthens the message and strengthens uh, the, the campaign. Absolutely. And, and, and from a strategic point of view, it's important for any organisation or business to look at key dates and look at when they can reinforce their messages. And as you quite rightly say, by doing it sort of every six months, you know, it just helps to maintain that message in front of people. People are all busy. And, and especially in the world of event organization, a lot of people will be used to organizing one event a year, 
but it's long been held as an absolute given that you have to, especially with social media, maintain a presence all year round, regardless of whether or not you might just run one event a year. And that's no different to something like event well 20 is it you can't just run one week of activities to raise awareness you have to have a year-round presence yeah absolutely and especially when you bear in mind the amount of people who work in the events industry i mean we're, we're, we're talking about thousands mm. millions of people that, that work in the events industry so it's it's really important that we keep that kind of nice consistency in terms of the message and that mm. it's it's very easy when it's just once a year for it to kind of drop off the radar a little bit and sure. what we what we identified from last week's last year's campaign in 2019 was that we we, we needed to reinforce the message because mm. um, whilst it was getting out to some people from our opinion it wasn't getting out to enough people sure. so we really wanted to kind of pick up the the pick up the, the mantle more than anything else and kind of really, really dig deeper. So specifically chosen for our February date, we've specifically chosen International Confex for it to coincide with, with that. So it'll be happening during day two of International Confex. And again, for venues and events live in London, Event Wellbeing Week will be happening then. So we've also made sure that we're holding these campaigns at the same time as a, as a main industry event for the event industry. Absolutely, absolutely. And and when we look um, ahead, to put this uh, podcast in context, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 29th of January. So we are exactly 28 days prior to Event Well Day on the 26th of February. This yeah. podcast will be broadcast prior to that day. So there's some run up to it. So this, so this, this will go out relatively quickly um, so that we give people the maximum amount of time. And what some of the things we, we will absolutely get you back on as a guest later on in the year as we approach Event Wellbeing Week in September. But yeah. we then focus our attention then on Event Wellbeing Day on, on the on the 26th of February what sort of things have you got planned what activities are there both in terms of an online presence in terms of messages resources that people can uh, uh, you know tap into but also actual events and, and things that people can go along to yeah absolutely so um there'd be the the usual um events and panel sessions and stuff happening at Confex with right. people who are going to be talking about mental health. Um, the PA show as well are also running their own stream of wellbeing and mental health sessions that are going to be happening over those two days. So we've got a repeat message to the PA kind of angle of event management, which is brilliant. It's the first time that's happened this year. Mm. So it's great that we're kind of partnering with both of those organisations to continue the message. But we've got quite an ambitious aim this year. Whereas the last kind of three years of campaigns, it's, it's our fourth year now. We've been we've been running Event Wellbeing Week and now Event Wellbeing Day, and we really kind of felt that, and, and I kind of felt that it was important now to kind of do something where we're kind of promoting action um, for people to do something now to actually take ownership within their organisations, but also as individuals to be better looking after their self care and then managing their mental health better. Um, so what we're actually doing this year is on Event Wellbeing Day, we have what's new is called the Event Well Manifesto. Now the Event Well Manifesto is basically calling for event organisations to be putting mental health as a priority within the culture of their organisations so that they're creating these supportive environments 
where professionals and people that work within the industry feel capable to be able to bring their whole selves to work. They feel supported by their managers, they feel supported by the business that they work for, and they feel supported by the culture that that will create within those organizations and within teams. Mm. Um, now the Event One Manifesto is actually in partnership with Time to Change. Right. So we're working in partnership with Time to Change this year, which is a big, big move for Eventwell. And we're absolutely over the moon and to be working with Time to Change. Now, Time to Change have the employer pledge. So the events industry is hugely underrepresented when it comes to the employer pledge. In fact, the only industry that is worse than the events industry at the moment is the agriculture industry. Right. Um, so all of our industries are way ahead of the events industry in terms of the number of organisations that have signed up to the employer pledge. Now, the employer pledge takes on board the Thriving at Work report that was commissioned by Theresa May in 2017. And that report was written by Lord, Lord um, Stevenson and Paul Farmer, who's the CEO of Mind. And that brought out six core standards which are very, very easy core standards for organisations to be able to adopt in terms of creating those supportive environments that I was talking about. But only about 25% to 30% of, of UK businesses have actually incorporated those core standards. And the employer pledge works to help organisations achieve that. So currently you've probably got in the minimum of about 1,400 businesses that are signed up to the employer pledge. Very few of those, in fact, there's no event industry agencies or suppliers of that nature signed up to it it's the hotel kind of side sure yeah, the event yeah. industry that is pulling the event industry up above the agriculture industry so we massively massively need to change that and we need to impact that because of the event industry as it functions we work across industry that's what makes us unique it's the same as marketing it isn't a standalone industry we operate on our customers are within these other industries that are signed up to the employer pledge so for us now to be signing a pledge that is on a par with what our customers are signing in terms of mental health within their organizations is is one of the best moves for the event industry sure. so what we're asking businesses to do on the 26th of february is sign up to the event one manifesto and then there'll be six months support from Eventwell and Time to Change that will lead up to them being ready to start looking to sign the Time to Change employer pledge during Eventwell being week in September. Right. So it's an ambitious move. We've already had a few businesses and organizations have started to sign the employer pledge. The HBAA I know have committed to signing the employer pledge and are urging their members to sign the employer pledge. So that's a big move. And there's, there's other organizations as well and membership organizations who are also looking to, to sign that commitment. Um, it's ambitious, um, but I, I feel so strongly and passionately about this industry that we work in that it's, it's, we have to do something now. We've spent three years since that statement came out in 2016 that event coordination is the fifth most stressful career. Yep. We've spent the last three years talking about this and talking and talking and talking. But from research that Eventwell does, so we carried out research in 2017, we carried out research last year, we're not seeing much of an impact change from those conversations. Indeed. So it, it's, time, it's time for action now. It's now, we're, we're giving it the hashtag pledge for change. But this year now, is, it's time to physically actually start doing something about it.
Um, there's companies, lots of companies I know have, have brought in mental health first aid training to organization and, and Eventwell offers that as part of our training as well for this year. Um, but pretty much for me, and as someone who, who manages a mental health condition, mental health first aiders are brilliant and that's great. And having benefits within your organization such as gym membership and lots of holidays and stuff is great. But as someone who has experienced burnout, when, when I experienced my burnout in 2008, 2009, it made no difference to me what benefits were available because all I could think about was work and all I functioned on was work and I burnt out and all of those benefits that are available to me, I didn't, I didn't take advantage of any of them because I was too tunnel visioned during that burnout to just be the work's the most important thing. So it, it's... And also as well, in terms of mental health first aid training, as I said before, it's brilliant, it's great. And, and, you know, we're entitled to mental health first aiders exactly the same as we're entitled to physical first aiders within the workplace. But until we examine the culture that exists within organisations, within the events industry, which is, you know, the very long hours. And there's long hours, you can't escape long hours in the events industry, but there are an awful lot of people in the events industry who are doing long hours unnecessarily because they think it's expected of them mm-hmm. when they don't need to be working long hours. So all of that kind of stuff, until we start addressing some of those factors, a mental health first aider is just like sticking a sticky plaster over a cut yeah, it might heal the cut, but we're not dealing with the, the cause of the cut in the first place, if that makes sense. We Absolutely. want to put a physical, physical health analogy on it. Um, mental health and physical health should be treated exactly the same in the workplace. Now, absolutely, they're on an equal par. But there are complications when it comes to dealing with mental ill health, mental illness and physical illness, because the two there are not the same. So unless we start addressing the culture within our organisations and providing more supportive environments, bringing it back to what I said at the start, so people feel that they can bring their whole selves to work. Because, you know, we, we don't, we can't depart, I can't even say the word. Decompartmentalise. That's it, thank you very much. You're welcome. We, we, can't, we can't do that with our emotions anymore. We, we, we now as a society exist as a, a constantly switched on 24-7 society. Mm. So, you know, it, it's... People have to feel safe within their workplaces and within their teams and with the, the managers and the organisations to be themselves and to be able to express emotions and stuff. Because when you, you're not able to do that, and this comes to a personal experience, when you're not able to do that, that's when you start to run into problems. Mm, absolutely. Something that's um, come to my mind as you've been talking about this is the subject of sustainability yeah sustainability and talking about making events sustainable is huge in the events industry at the moment everyone's doing it i said on an earlier podcast recording i did today that i don't envisage that there will be any event of any significance this year and in future that won't have a very strong pr message about how They've changed to make it sustainable this year with whatever measures that may take. So there seems to be this huge buy-in from the events industry to make them sustainable, you know, whether that be getting rid of plastic, you know, recycling rubbish, you know, reducing the amount of paper that they're printing and using. So they've all signed up to this sustainability 
ethos. Yeah. And as you alluded to, there's been a lot of talk about mental health and physical well-being and well-being in general. Mm-hmm. And yet, as you pointed out, very few people have actually physically signed up and we still lag behind other industries. That's now, the tie-in that I see is that we assume sustainability to refer to, as I said, plastic bottles and paper cups and, you know, this whole, you know, green and carbon emissions. But if we start losing event professionals through burnout, events won't be sustainable anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Sustainability comes down to not just the physical resources that you're using and how you can be a bit more green and recycle some stuff, but sustainability is about how do you sustain an event for the long term? It's by making sure that your staff are in it for the long term or the team that work are in it for the long term. And if they're burning out because Mm -hmm. we're not looking after them or they're not looking after themselves, events also don't, are not sustainable anymore. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is where that, that question of me coming in with saying that, that events works across industry. So we have to bear in mind and remember who our, our customers are as well. So you've got our customers signing up to the employer pledge because they're putting those changes in place to make sure that they're, they're looking after their talent. Sustaining their talent pool is what they're doing, mm-hmm. which is very much what the events industry needs to do as well. And that's one of the statements that's within the Event well Manifesto is the sustainability of the event industry depends on this. Because unless we do something now, we have a real issue of the fact we've got one in three, we still have one in three event professionals who are suffering from mental ill health each year, every year. And that hasn't changed from 2017, despite all the talking and conversations and stuff that I have, and that has not changed. We're going to do another benchmark exercise this year to see if, if there has been any movement this year. Mm. Um, but I'll be very surprised if there has. In fact, I'd, I'd Hopefully, it hasn't worse, if that makes sense. But the sustainability of the, industry, the events industry is dependent on this. Because if we keep losing our talents, and, and we have already lost talents to ill health, because it, unless you've got somebody who's incredibly passionate, I mean, I, I considered leaving the events industry when I had, when I had my burnout. Um, but it, it just felt that I'd... I'd already been working in the industry for about 15 years then anyway um, and I, I loved it and it was my passion and love for the industry that kept me in it but it, it would have been very very easy for me to walk away mm. at that point and I, I even had my people around me at the time that said perhaps I should consider a career change mm. um, and particularly when I then got diagnosed with bipolar a lot of people would say maybe you should think about doing something else that's not as stressful but then when you love something so much but there are people who have had to fall out of the industry because of mental ill health and this is the stuff that's important so while we're talking about the sustainable events in terms of environmental impact we also need to talk about sustainable events in terms of the mental impact on employees but also attendees Mm. so making sure that we're looking after the people who are attending our events in terms of their stress levels and stuff as well. Because otherwise, if we don't make an impact and a change to this, then where events is sitting at the moment is probably the number two marketing channel in terms of communications and external communications. You'll start to see that fall again because our customers and our clients, while they're considering the mental health impact of what their operations and their businesses, they'll start to move away from the ones that are having a negative impact. So the sustainability of the events industry is, is, is crucial, it's dependent on, on this. We need to do something about it. 2020, they're actually calling 2020 the super year. Right. Um, and they actually think that this decade 
is going to be really significant in terms of environmental change, but also mental health, mental health and well-being. They're going to be the two hot topics, not just for this year, but for, for this decade and the next 10 years. Um, so you're going, to, you're going to see much more, much more on this topic, but also as well starting to draw those two in together. Does, does it frustrate you in any way that there has been such a big buy-in into the whole carbon emissions, green initiative, sustainability side of the events industry? Um, and dare I say it, sticking my neck out, a lot of events will have done so because they feel that from a PR point of view, they have no choice. That it's maybe not something that they necessarily want to buy into, but if they're not seen to be yeah. towing this line that everybody wants to create quite rightly should should create that that they feel that it's really a trend that they've got to be part of rather than a genuine commitment to it that um is there a frustration that events have bought into the sustainability topic really heavily and yet mm, seemingly haven't quite bought into the the well-being side of things um in the in the same way um that's see that's a, that's that's a tricky one i think because i i remember in 2008 um we, we, start, we started to have, 2007, 2008, we kind of started to have those serious conversations in the event industry about sustainability. When right. BS8901 was first being put into place in terms of environmental practice within events. So when that standard was first being put into place, which I know is now, it's now an ISO, I can't remember the exact number, but <laughs> that is now an international standard. So that has progressed. So sustainability has always been there since we started, I'm um, bubbling away, but not enough impact. It's a similar thing. Not if enough impact has been made. So it's gone up an, a level in conversation now. Yeah. It's good to see that. So I actually see that as a positive move. If you think about mental health as a topic for the industry, we've only been talking about this for the last three years. Before then, it was never talked about. It was brushed on. Of course, under. yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's still a relative new conversation for the industry. And you know, for, for us to, to actually, this year we're, we're, we're doing what we're doing this year to start to see some, some action and change. But we have to be realistic about the fact that we're talking about changing culture within organizations, but also we're talking about changing the culture and empathy of the events industry. Sure. And that is gonna take time as well. So I certainly don't expect to see massive impact in one year. Um, but by the end of this decade, um, I would like to have seen significant change so that we've got, when we've got new talent coming into the industry, when we've got our postgraduates and stuff coming into the industry, those new degrees. Um, one of the event world's aims is to actually get into universities to be educating yeah. students on mental health and building resilience, more on that building resilience message. You're working in the industry, these are the things you need to watch because of this. This is going to impact you in that way or that way. So these are the things you need to be thinking about in terms of taking care of yourself. So it's more kind of changing the kind of message at that level. So when we've got newer postgrads and new event professionals coming into the industry later in the deck, they this stuff is already there. Yeah. But well-being and mental health it is big for those generations now anyway. This is the stuff that they want and this is the stuff they're demanding. It is. Um, yeah, but we, we do have to, well, we can't event was there to enforce the message and push, 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 push. And we're not gonna give up on that. Um, we also have to be realistic about the fact that when you're talking about cultural change, 
you're talking about stuff that can take time. Um, Absolutely. And when I think about it, you know, in, in fairness to, to, to the industry and its adoption of, of the sustainability angle, um, the, the drive towards making events sustainable and, and the huge sort of um, leap forward in that subject that we've seen in the last 18 months, two years, has arguably coincided with, outside of the events industry, a wider topic of conversation in society aligned with increased media coverage about the environment, about global warming, about sustainability. And, and so as an industry, what we're really doing is following the, the culture and not the, the trend is not the right word, but all the coverage that, that, that sustainability has received. And I suppose in fairness, when we start to see more of that wider media coverage and social discussion and that wider thought in society that we need to take care of ourselves a little bit better, yeah. that will naturally translate not just into the event industry, but into every industry. And I suppose what one thing that I, I, I just picked up on when I was thinking about that is the FA Cup third round uh, a few weeks ago where all of the kickoffs were delayed by one minute and they were all noted as 3.01 p.m. kickoff or 4.01 p.m. so that instantly people say why is it kicking off at one minute past the answer being it was an initiative by the FA to ask everybody to just take 60 seconds to think about themselves have a minute to think about their mental health yeah. and as we start to see wider business society different businesses different industries take those approaches along with what you're doing with the event industry i suppose it's that joined up thinking that then then creates this 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 bigger desire to adopt it yeah absolutely which was when the importance of us working with time to change and we're also working with public health england as well we've partnered with them in terms of pushing their every mind matters mm. and that's your free mind plan and stuff so you can access that from the event world website as well so we partnered with them um it's important for us to kind of join up with these wider organizations that pushing out the message because this is the thing with mental health and this is where mental health is different to sustainability sustainability is a massive topic it's a big topic and it's a big issue for for the planet basically we can't escape that um but mental health mental illness in particular is we have deeply embedded um discrimination within our society in terms of mental health um i mean it wasn't so long ago that if you had mental ill health or mental illness you'd, you'd be locked away in a hospital ward or in an institution and probably yeah. never seen of again um, it's only since kind of the 70s and 80s and that kind of mental health in the community and care in the community that we're becoming more aware of it. But that the stigma still exists in terms of somebody. So stigma is when someone with a mental um, health condition or mental illness feels that they'll be discriminated against. Um, but the, the word really is discrimination. There's still an awful lot of discrimination in society until that starts yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is fear because, you know, if anybody who's worked on a busy event site knows, and, and that will be the majority of people listen to this podcast, yeah. you know, if you go and say, look, I'm, I'm just, I just need a couple of hours to just, you know, diffuse myself, to just mm -hmm. unwind a little bit. It's too much. I'm trying to process at the moment. I'm stressed out. Can mm -hmm. I just take a couple of hours to just sort myself out a little bit? Yeah. If you say that, in a busy events environment, you know, be that a build, you know, a live day, whatever it may be, there's instantly that fear that you're going to be seen as the weak link. There's instantly that fear that, well, that's it. I won't be working on this event next year. 
there's yeah. instantly that fear that well that that's potentially my job or my career or opportunity you know that and i suppose it, we need to, to remove that fear first of all yes we do before we can even then yeah. approach how we yeah. offer somebody advice and how to deal with a stressful situation yeah it, it's a fear of discrimination that's that's basically what that is so that's that stigma is that that stigma is that fear of being able to speak up and say you know what i need some support here um but it, it's ah uh, yes it's but it's also a fear of letting people down is another side to it of course it's yeah. not always about the fear of discrimination it's always well that no I don't, I don't want to let anyone down no everyone's worked really hard i don't want to let the team down don't want to let the side right. down it's all about that so that's wrapped up in that, that stigma as well so until i think leaders and businesses and organizations start sending out that message of that support and creating that supportive environment where they're basically turning around and saying i need you well for you to be able to i need you well i need you present because presenteeism as well is a massive industry in workplaces it's not just absenteeism it's presenteeism so that's people i'm um, at work who who are not firing on all cylinders who are struggling to cope and are literally probably sat at their desk and will sit there at desk and look they're, they're stuck that they're, they're kind of I, I don't even know what to tackle first mm. type stuff. there's those kind of issues as well that need to be looked at so it, it's it's all of that all of that wrapped in and until we start i mean carry on the conversation let's carry on having these conversations because although we've done a lot of talking the conversations are needed and we need to carry on having them and we need to have those open conversations we need to have representation from people like myself i talk very openly about bipolar and sure. suicide yeah. and all that kind of stuff i always have done until more people like myself within organizations so within the comfort of their organization within their closed walls have these open conversations with their teams that that make it in a way i suppose okay yeah that's that it's that kind of stuff that makes people feel safe because what you're, you're doing is you're you're immediately removing any fear of discrimination or letting anyone down because you're actually saying, do you know what, it's all right. You're removing that stigma as well, because you're saying it's all right to talk to me about your mental health. It's all right to talk to me if, if you're struggling. It's all right to talk to me if you want help or support. And that's the important thing. But again, that is, it's gonna take, it's gonna take time because of how discrimination is so deeply rooted within society. And again, something that we've mentioned a couple of times on today's episode is that, um, it's not just in the events industry. I would hope that, 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 that this exact same conversation is happening in any other given industry because any other industry, <clears throat> yes, we've got this statistic and, and this report that came out that said event organization is one of the most stressful jobs, but mm -hmm. anybody working in any line of business will argue that their job is the most stressful. So it's important that, that these discussions and these conversations, these podcasts, these websites, these organizations, these activities and events um, are mirrored across society not just in the events industry because that means it becomes accepted in society not just yes. in one particular strand of the industry something that I would like to point out Helen before we um, before we draw towards the end of today's episode and, and we recap on the key dates um, 
on the Eventwell website, eventwell.org. Um, yes. I've seen um, a couple of resources that, that I don't think were available last time I spoke to that I'd maybe like to point out. The first is a book called The Little Book of Self-Care, um, yes. which is available via, via the website, um, penned by the Event 100 and the le- and leading event professional, Melissa Noakes. Um, yep. I've had a little look at the synopsis of that. And I would just say to anybody listening to this podcast, hop onto eventwell.org and find uh, the, the, the page on there that... Uh, and if you scroll down, there's a link to the little book of self-care. Just below that, there's another resource as well um, called the Event Professionals Journal, penned by Eventwell's very own uh, Bernadette Palombo. Um, and there's a link there that you can also pick up a copy. And I'm sure both of those resources, you would say to people, are a great uh, yeah. opportunity for people to have available to them, maybe keep in their bag whilst they're out and about and refer yeah. to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, Melissa's Melissa's book is is brilliant. So she Melissa now is self care coach. So she does a lot of consulting and stuff in terms of self care and and well being. Um, brilliant book, absolutely brilliant book. And Melissa has her own personal experiences of, as well of mental ill health in the in the industry. Um, and Bernadette's Event Professionals Journal. We've just started pushing that out. I have my own copy of it. It is brilliant. And what it kind of does, it's designed to give you that little bit of focus time in the morning mm. for you to look at and focus your day, not just in the terms in terms of the things that you need to do for that day, but also in terms of making time for yourself. Yeah. So it's finding that balance in the day um, so that you're focusing on the two things. So there's little things, it'll ask you little questions in terms of what events you need to focus on that day. What's the worst case scenario if you don't manage to, to do them? which again is, is refocusing your mind and looking at that mindset, but also ask the audience in question what you're going to do for yourself today, um, which I think is a really, really nice touch. And that's the important thing in terms of finding balance. Because um, well-being is all about having that balance where it's not just work, you know, it's putting yourself first, creating healthy boundaries, having hobbies and interests outside of work. I, I always say this is a good tip because a lot of people that work in the events industry are very passionate people. They're very creative. The more creative you are, the more passionate you tend to be about things. Um, so a good tip for anybody in terms of that is, you know, find something that you're good at outside of the events industry. Um, so one of the things I've done, I played, I played, I was very good at the flute when I was younger. I've picked that up again recently. I'm doing my grades again. Fantastic. <laughs> my mid forties, but it's it's something. It's basically just that analogy. Find something you're good at that you can do outside of work that isn't associated with the events industry at all. Something else. Find something else. Whether that's a sport, or you, you just like visiting places or books, whatever that might be. Find something that you can focus that passion and interest into. That's something else. But yeah, they're two great resources and there's, there's, there's tons of resources on, on the blog. There's all kinds of fact sheets and PDFs. There's the 2018 podcasts. So if anybody wants to go and listen to those, the event of course, yeah. together, and they can go to the eventwell.org website. They're all on there. Um, and just basically just tons of information in terms of wellbeing and mental health. Absolutely. We mentioned it several times, but eventwell.org is the website to go to. Hashtag eventwell20 for the overall messages going out about this year. And as we've said, Event Wellbeing Day is the 26th of February. Put it in your diaries. It will coincide with the second day of Confex. And Event Wellbeing Week 
in September the 21st to the 27th. And as I said at the very beginning, we will get Helen back onto the podcast later on in this, uh, this, this year to look ahead to event will being week in September and look, uh, look at some of the specific events and activities that are taking place um, when we get later on in the year. But let's not write it off too quickly. We're only at the start of the year. There's a long road ahead of all of us. Um, Helen, thank you very much again for, for joining the podcast and returning. We look forward to welcoming you uh, later on this year. If you are listening to today's podcast, head over to eventindustrynews.com. You can watch video versions of all of our podcasts. And while you're on there, check out the latest features, news, content, and supplements that Event Industry News has produced. Of course, if you are watching today's podcast on the Event Industry News website, hello to you. And <laughs> pop over to your podcast downloader and uh, download all of the audio versions of the podcast. That was a final message from Mabel the dog, the new <laughs> podcast mascot who's been quiet all day whilst I've been recording these and has chosen now to offer up her final thanks. That brings us to the end of today's episode. My name's James Dixon. Our thanks once again to our guest today, Hella Moon, and we'll see you on the next edition of the podcast. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.